Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today I am having um, another uh, reader question that I am tackling, and uh, it's how to avoid overparenting unfocused or underachieving teenagers. So we will get to that right after I encourage you to subscribe because I have a lot of good subscriber episodes out. The recent one that I did, the most recent was how to tactfully tell your partner when they're not good at something. And of course, I zoom out to whether you should even do that and why and what it means about your relationship and et cetera, et cetera. Um, But moving on to the teenager topic, so a lot of parents struggle with not losing their mind if their teenagers don't seem to be doing much and they're just sitting around jacking off literally or figuratively and you start to fear that they're going to be living with you for the rest of their lives and... um, you know, so parents want the kid to uh, get their shit together and, you know, start doing something and, um, you know, basically start to show that they are independent. And so ironically then out of a um, large bolus of anxiety large, lodged in the parents like uh, solar plexus, that they, they feel just like panic, they decide to overparent this child in order to teach them to be independent by saying, come on, come on, what classes are you going to take? And what are you going to do here? And what are you going to do there? And what about this? And what about this? And what about that? And you could do this and you could do that. And why don't we just sit down together? Why don't we go to the computer together and look at this or look at that? And uh, what about, you know, so like they just basically get up the kid's ass. And so then the kid withdraws more and more and more until you really fear that they are just going to be a complete hermit and do nothing. So what do you do in this situation? Well, I mean, you know, you can't really make an omelet without breaking some eggs, right? So if you really don't want your kid to live with you forever, you got to kind of make that clear. You should have been making it clear all along, but like start making it clear now. Start to say that like you are not always going to be living here in the basement. Like I may want to downsize. I may move away, like et cetera, et cetera. You have to be self-sufficient. So in order to be self-sufficient, you got to learn how to do things on your own. So I am not going to be up your ass telling you what to do so much anymore. But that also means that I'm going to stop doing some of the stuff I've been doing. I'm not going to give you money for doing nothing. I'm not going to give you, do all your laundry. I'm not going to do, you know, all of the things that I've been doing that probably are things that people should be doing for a 10-year-old rather than for a 16-year-old. So if you look through all the things that you've been doing for your child, a lot of them for parents in this situation are likely, um, you know, still the same things as you were doing when they were in elementary school. And that certainly does not train a child to be independent. So certain kids have a desire to be independent on their own. And some kids in our culture today, particularly because of the child-centered parenting approaches and the fact that they do not really have to grow up in, in any meaningful way, they are allowed to kind of be kids for an extremely long time. So some of them don't grow up. I mean, you know, that's kind of how it goes. Some of them decide that they really are opting out of adulthood for a much longer time. And if you're cool with that and you're cool doing their laundry and having them sit around and having them be in your house and you think that sounds good, then you know, keep doing what you're doing. But otherwise, you actually have to put your money where your mouth is and, you know, incrementally withdraw some of this, uh, you know, enabling that you've been doing. 
because a lot of parents think that something is support when it's really just enabling. So doing all of the chores for a child who should could be able to do their own is not supportive if they're not doing anything else. I mean, if your kid is like, you know, studying for the SAT, you know, night and day and it's next week, you know, all right, you want to do their laundry, that's cool. But if your kid is like kind of basically doing nothing and you are bringing them their clean clothes and giving them money whenever they need it and cooking all of their meals and then bringing them some snacks. I mean, think about what you're teaching them. You're teaching them that they're basically still 10 years old because this is the same stuff that you were doing then. So um, this sounds good, right? But many people can't do it. And the people who really struggle with withdrawing any sort of support slash enabling are people with anxiety. And so they fear that any sort of behavior that they do that the child could possibly consider negative will result in the child hating them. I'll tell you something, like they won't, you know, kids hate parents, mostly if parents are cruel or if parents are unloving. It's not unloving to stop doing some basic uh things that a child could already be doing at their age. That is being a parent. That is being a separate human being that does not want to enable a extremely large child slash adolescent to just kind of remain in stasis forever. So that is not something that will make a child hate you. It may make them irritated with you. But in order for there to be long-term hate or something that could potentially lead to a child not wanting to be close to you, you would have to do a lot worse than that. Honestly, uh, most kids love their parents even if the parent is is abusive or neglectful, which is a far cry from the sort of situation that people would be in if they are having these children that kind of just sit in their room and, and hang out and when they're not at school. So what you really have to do then is kind of focus on your own self in therapy and figure out why it is so threatening and intimidating to you to think about upsetting your child. I have a podcast called Don't Let Your Kid Treat You Like Garbage, and I talk about how if you had any sort of narcissistic parent or self-absorbed parent, then you're used to getting treated like shit. And I'll tell you, in this situation where you're enabling a child to remain dependent, then you know, by overparenting them, you have to think about the overfunctioning that you started to do when you were much younger. And that was probably taking care of either siblings because a parent couldn't or your parent themselves. And when you learn that the only way to cope and to live in your life is to overfunction, then you do that for your kids and, and you keep doing it if you don't really interrogate it and stop yourself. I'll tell you that if you got sick God forbid we're sick with something, you know, very bad and you were just laying in your bed, it's really unlikely that your teenager would never have clean clothes again and would just wear the same dirty shit to school all the time. I mean, most kids who are neurotypical will will figure it out, you know, and most uh, people that I mean, even non-neurotypical kids could figure like a lot more stuff out than the parents realize when the parents are caught in this dynamic of overparenting and enabling. If the child has to, they will do a lot more. And this isn't, you're not in that situation. So you're very lucky. You are healthy and you are willing to help. The problem is you're a little too willing to help. So all of the help kind of leaves the child feeling like they can't really do anything. Children need a lot of... um 
scaffolding when they're younger, but the scaffolding needs to be incrementally taken away as they get older. Otherwise, if it remains like at the same level, by scaffolding, I mean doing things for them, like how scaffolding will help hold something up. So the scaffolding needs to be taken away. So for example, a 10-year-old could cook a simple meal. A 16-year-old could cook a fancy meal, you know? I mean, that's like a, that, that, that's an age where you can really do anything. They can have a job. That should be how they get money, especially again, if they're not super big into academics. So of course, there's only so many hours in a day. And if a child is super into school, you as a parent may decide that if they're into school, they're into sports or into extracurriculars that you want to subsidize them. But if they're not really doing much in the, in the way of, uh, school, sports, or any anything that you think is productive, then they can work. And they can certainly learn to work. I mean, remember where you were at age 15, 16, you were able to do a lot of shit. And your child would too, if they had to, and they may have to if they need money. And they may need money if you're not going to give them as much anymore. And for parents that do set more boundaries and say things like, okay, well, you know, I'm really kind of not going to be, you know, cooking all the dinners anymore. So like, let's see what you can do. Kids frequently rise to the occasion, not instantly. They don't immediately know how to cook a meal, but they can figure it out with love and positivity and confidence. I have stuff on like how to teach your kids to be more independent and that's geared toward smaller kids. But unfortunately nowadays, something on letting your kids cook a meal is not necessarily geared toward a um, parent of a 10 or even a 12 year old, but a 16 or even an 18 year old. So certainly at that age, uh, the, the age of majority, you know, kids can do everything that an adult can do in terms of these life activities. And that's where I think that your focus should be. And anytime that you want to rush in with anxiety about the future, you need to tell yourself that this anxiety is not warranted because the child themselves, it, it, it will, it, the child will figure their life out as long as they are given the space to do it in I mean, 99% of situations, children do eventually become independent people. So the point here is your own anxiety really needs to be addressed. And parents of teenagers have a lot of anxiety. They feel like this is their last chance to get it right. They feel like there are a lot of dangers, actual dangers, if the child does this or that wrong. You know, they could get pregnant. They could crash a car. I mean, there's a lot more actual danger. And for people, you know, than there is for younger kids doing something. So uh, this activates anxiety in a lot of parents, and the anxiety leads to hovering and over-parenting. And then there's this idea, again, that I keep discussing, which is big, this fear that the child will never be independent. But ironically, the parent hovering around and saying things like that is, is going to make the child feel less depend, less independent and less able to be independent because they take their cues from you. If you seem terrified about how they're going to do eventually as an adult, well, guess what? They're going to pick up on that they probably do not have the skill set to be very successful. So you want to really, in any possible way you can, promote independence and stop yourself from the hovering and the anxious remarks. You want to indicate that it is an expectation that they will live independently. And then this brings us to something else, which is parents who want the kid to do exactly what they want the kid to do. So there's a lot of parents who have conflict with their kids because they want the kid to go to college. Kid doesn't want to go to college. 
well, as the kid, it's the kid's life. So if the kid doesn't want to go to college and the only way out of that is by kind of doing nothing at school, then that's how they will get there, you know? But if a parent says, listen, you could take your own path as long as you have a job, as long as you're doing something productive, that's cool. You know, you do you, not everybody was meant for college, then those kids can maybe find a different path. Everybody wasn't always expected to be a super high academic achiever as people are now. You know, and so college isn't the path for everybody. And certainly um, people can figure out various ways to be a successful and happy adult such that they may not have the exact same path as the parent, but they could have their own unique path. And these are interesting conversations to have with your children. But as long as you're benignly curious and not overwhelmingly anxious and um, directive. So if you say, oh, my God, do you like I don't even think you're going to get into college at this rate like that is certainly fear mongering and the kid's going to withdraw right away and they're going to think, my God, I don't seem to be able to, to do anything. You know, I might as well just kind of sit around and stay paralyzed. But if you say, so what are you thinking about doing? Are you thinking about going to college? Are you thinking about getting a job? Where are you thinking of living? What interests you, you know? Uh, not all one after the other like that, but in a conversation, like an actual conversation while you're doing an activity of some sort so that you're not staring at them intently in some sort of way that freaks them out. (laughs) So, you know, there's a whole bunch of ways to live life. And the number one that most parents agree on is that the kid has to be independent in case something happens to you, you know, and because that is how to live as an adult is to be an independent, fully functioning human is to have kind of your own life, your own preferences, goals that you're working toward. But these can look very, very different for different kids. And if you have gone down the path of saying there's only one way to live and it's going to a good college and in specifically this one, possibly, and blah, 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 then your kid may feel paralyzed. I'm not saying you did this. I mean, this thing was like a one sentence question that I got from this reader. But, you know, if parents are listening who do do this, then it's time to stop, right? It's time to say, you know. There's a lot of paths. You know, of course, I've been focusing on college. That's the path I did or that's the path that I thought would be good. But honestly, you can really do whatever you want. I just need you to be happy and a productive member of society such that I don't always have to support you. I will not be around forever. And I am getting older and getting tireder. And so you're going to be taking over more stuff. And that's how we're going to do it. And again, the vast majority of children will rise to the expectations of independence as long as the parents stay consistent. So that doesn't mean you say, all right, make your dinner tonight. And then at 630, if the kid's still in their room, you're like, well, forget it. And then you just cook them a meal and deliver it. No, that's not what that means. It means that they actually are expected to come out and cook dinner and that you're waiting too and that you're waiting for them to cook dinner for the family. Why not? Do it once a week for a teenager. That's a good amount. So uh, any people that are listening and struggling with, with how to address their anxiety about their child's future, therapy is a wonderful way to address anxiety. You can finally talk to somebody about all of your catastrophic worst case scenario thoughts like that your child ends up homeless under a bridge and the therapist will go through them with you, will figure out where they come from in your early life and will challenge the cognitive distortions possibly and replace them with more viable, realistic thoughts and I hope you hone skills with which you can better communicate with your uh, teenager who are notoriously bad at communicating. Uh, 
So hopefully this addressed your issue, reader, and anybody else who wants to join my Facebook group should. And I will talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.